Welcome to episode 23 of the New Rules for Your Life and Your Business podcast. Thanks for listening. Every day, our world is shifting and changing. New technology, new traditions, new relationships, responsibilities, and challenges. How can you keep up? Through the new rules for your life and your business podcast, where transformation expert Holly Rovinger and her expert guests share how you can not only survive, but thrive in this new world. Holly believes that when you get back to basics and truly engage with your life and your business, you become empowered and can elevate the way you're living. Here now is your host, Holly Rovinger. Thanks so much, Morgan. Welcome to New Rules for Your Life and Your Business, the podcast that is dedicated to helping you cut through the chaos so you can experience personal and professional growth. You will hear stories, insights, and new rules to live by from myself and my guests that are born out of real life experiences. The stories are inspiring and motivating, and I encourage you to take at least one golden nugget from each episode and apply it to your life or your business. The topic for today is negotiation. My guest is Aldana Lewis Fernandez, and some of the highlights in today's episode are, you will hear how Donna survived a childhood, very difficult childhood. She calls it a victor over a lifetime of chronic trauma and compares her journey to the movie Shawshank Redemption. You'll hear how she took responsibility for her life. You will learn how to start changing your mindset to think like a negotiator. And you'll hear where Aldana feels all the power is. That and more today on the New Rules Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by The Empress Cloth on Amazon. TheEmpressCloth.com. Check it out. Save time, save money, save the environment. A much healthier way to clean for you, your family, your loved ones, and your pets. Aldana Lewis Fernandez is a retired Air Force veteran with 23 years of honorable military service. She is a negotiation and contracts expert with over 30 years of leadership, contracts management, and negotiation experience. She has negotiated contracts from a dollar to over a hundred million dollars, both stateside and internationally. Wow. She was deployed to the Middle East after 9-11 and has years of experience in foreign acquisition. She is a subject matter expert in the contracting career field and has developed and taught courses on contract claims, negotiation, and other aspects of contracting. She was selected for an assignment to the White House Military Office in 2002. She has seven years of extensive experience working for defense contractors in the aerospace industry. She holds a top-secret security clearance and has been a trusted agent of the U.S. government for 30 years. Eldana is the CEO of Dynamic Vision International Incorporated, a training and consulting firm. She specializes in training people how to think like a negotiator by creating win-win results and understanding the pitfalls to avoid. She's an international award-winning speaker and an award-winning author. 
Wow, Eldana, I am awed. I did not know you held that security clearance. Welcome to New Rules for Your Life and Your Business. How are you? I'm great, Holly. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Your background is so different than 99.999% of the people that I speak to on a daily basis. I've been really looking forward you know, to being on here with you and, and just talking and, and finding out what you're all about, what you're doing. And I'm, I guess my first question before we get into your new rule is what made you get into the Air Force? <laughs> well, I, I came from a pretty rough upbringing. Both my parents were alcoholics and uh, my mother died of alcoholism when I was 12. And, um, and my father kind of died emotionally. And he didn't really parent me. I dropped out of high school. I was running with the wrong crowd. And when I turned 18, uh, I came home one day and found the house was empty. There was a note of eviction on the door. He'd moved from from Texas to Florida, didn't leave me a forwarding address. And I was pretty much on my own. And um, I kind of started to think, what am I going to do with my life? And I was working a job and I saw this commercial about the Air Force, and it said, Air Force, a great way of life. That was the slogan back then, and and it piqued my interest. So I, I took my GED, and I went down to the recruiter. It just sounded like an adventure to me, and I joined the Air Force. Amazing. I mean, I, I really, I respect you so much. You have no idea. And I just had a conversation with a friend of mine, and I was telling her that I was going to be speaking with you, and I said, you know, my, I got divorced, um, God, it'll be almost four years ago. And one of the things I thought about was, you know what, maybe, maybe I should, you know, go and want to one of the armed forces and go for training. But my God, Eldana, don't laugh, but did you ever see Private Benjamin with Goldie Hawn? Uh, I did, yes. Well, that, that would be me. So <laughs> it just, it wouldn't quite work out. So I'm like, really, like I said, I just really respect so much what you've done and appreciate how you've really served our country. And how long have you had this top secret security clearance? Oh, uh, for a lot of years. I mean, when you come in the military, you start out with, uh, they do an investigation on you and you start out with a secret clearance. And uh, then depending on what you, you're going to be handling, they up it, uh, upgrade it. So um, I've been, you know, like I said in my bio, a trusted agent of the government for over 30 years. So they do extensive background investigation on you. They actually have people go out and knock on doors around your neighborhood and just question all kinds of people just to make sure that you're on the up and up. Wow. So you've been you've been, you've been through a lot. It sounds like uh, from your upbringing and then through the the Air Force, you've you've really. Well, you've led a very full life <laughs> for somebody, you know, that that's your age right now. You've been through a lot. That I have. And I, I like to say that I'm a victor over a lifetime of chronic trauma from all the things that I went through in my life. And, you know, being if you know anything about growing up in any kind of addiction, it really takes a toll on the family. My parents used to fight all the time. And if they weren't fighting, I felt uncomfortable. I actually just wrote a blog post because uh, yesterday was the anniversary of my mother's death. And uh, just reflecting back on my childhood and the things that I went through. And it took me a lot of years to realize that it had spread to me as far as I never became an alcoholic or an addict, but the behaviors that that kind of, um, I don't know, takes you through. It, it 
it had an effect on every part of my life until one day I realized I was the problem and needed to do some changes. So you went obviously from, you know, a life of there where there was a lot of tragedy to triumph. So what would be an actionable step that someone can take? You know, what got you out of it? Well, that, so, you know, when I went in the military, I, the Air Force saved me professionally, but personally I was a wreck and I attracted all kinds of, uh, kind of messed up relationships. I was in relationships with alcoholics and drug addicts and, and people that just weren't, uh, the right people for me, which caused me to get in domestic violence situations and all types of other verbal abuse and physical abuse and things like that. So that went on for many, many years. And, you know, an actionable step doesn't happen until you actually realize that, that you're the problem. And I had been in a relationship with somebody that, that ended badly. And, um, I had been doing some work on myself because I pretty much numbed myself most of my life to survive my childhood and then survive being around other, um, abusive people. And, when I had done the work, started to do some work on myself through through counseling, group counseling and things like that to work on actually feeling my feelings. And then when, when this relationship came to an end, it was almost as if a Niagara Falls of emotion that I hadn't felt came in all at once. And in the middle of my despair, I looked in the mirror and realized the problem was looking back at me. And that was a, that was an ugly day, but that was a, a great day, too, because then I was willing to take some steps to do some healing. And the first thing I did was I got involved in a, a group that dealt with growing up and living with alcoholics and addicts. Well, that was almost like an epiphany for you when you looked in the mirror. And, and I think if a lot of a lot of people take that advice, it's like you've got to take responsibility. You know, it's very easy for all of us to say, well, you know, I grew up in a household like this. I mean, I hear this all the time. You know, my parents were divorced. My parents were this and that. But you actually did something. You took the responsibility and turned your whole life around. With- oh, yeah, it's it's what you have to do. And, and a lot of times people, do, you know, I always say the power is in the work. You have to do the work. We're, we're in a society where people want to flip a light switch and become an expert or become instantly healed or become instantly something. And unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. You see all these ads on TV about, you know, take this pill, do that, whatever. You, you're, you'll lose weight or you'll do this, or you'll do that. And it, it, you can't do that light switch type thing. You have to actually take the time to do the work. And it took some time because I had a, a many, many, many years. I call it my sewer experience. You know, I had to, if you've ever seen the movie, The Shawshank Redemption, um, for those who haven't, it's a movie about uh, Andy Dufresne who was wrongfully imprisoned in a, for a murder he didn't commit. And for 20 years, he chipped away at the wall of his cell. And then in order to get to freedom, he had to break into a sewer and crawl through the sewer to get to freedom. And I, I relate that to my own life. I had to crawl through my own sewer of my own tragic life in order to get to the freedom I know today. What, what a great analogy. And that was, that was a great movie. I loved it. Great, yeah. great. Well, what is your new rule for today? Today's new rule. Well, my new rule has to do with negotiation. Like everything is negotiable when you think like a negotiator. And negotiation doesn't have 
to do with just dollars and cents and contracts. We negotiate each and every day of our lives, both personally and professionally. I always say whether it's a multi-million dollar deal or where to meet for dinner, it's all negotiation. And you have to think like a negotiator in order to successfully navigate those areas of your life. No, and I like that. I think it's even when you're right, dealing with your children, you're you're negotiating, you know, it's like you give a little of this to get a little of that. It is part of our everyday experience. So I love your new rule. Everything is negotiable. Now, a lot of times I think about, you know, somebody being an advocate for somebody. and, And I'm trying to compare this to negotiation because when you know, for example, if somebody needed help, I'd say, okay, I'll help you. I'll be your advocate. It, you do need negotiation skills for that. Oh, definitely. You, you, because negotiation is basically discussions to agree on a deal. You're, you're, and then the key, I just wrote a blog post about this. The key word in that being discussions, you know, you have to have a little presentation skill, uh, skills in order to be a good negotiator because negotiation is about presenting your point to the other person, whether it be your children about taking out the trash or you have a, a bogus charge on your phone bill. How are you going to get them to take it off when most phone companies are like, hips, what, sorry, we're leaving that charge there. Or, or how are you going to not be taken advantage of when you go to, um, get your car fixed, or maybe you're in business and you're negotiating to get your book printed, or you're negotiating for a room to hold your event, or some you're with your accountant or your attorney. It's it's all negotiation, right? Everything you know. For me, it's a naturally learned skill. I mean, maybe because of the way I grew up and things you know that I have experienced. But how would you say somebody could learn it? Like, how would they accomplish becoming? a negotiator and thinking, you know, with that negotiation mindset? Well, I I go back to my statement, the power is in the work. You have to work to get good at it. It's not something, oh, gosh, I'm not a born negotiator, so I can never do it. I wasn't a born negotiator. Actually, I was petrified to negotiate and petrified to speak in front of people. And the only way I got good at doing it was to do those things. And what I recommend people do is go to a yard sale. Sounds kind of silly, but yard sale is the best place to get free negotiation training because nobody ever expects to get what they're asking at a yard sale. So people expect to haggle. So that's a good place to go to start honing your skills. What a great idea. <laughs> yeah, people I know, we just had a garage sale in the neighborhood and, and people come, well, okay, what's your best, you know, your best price? You know, and then they go back and forth and back and forth. It's, you know, I call it hondling. You know, you go back and forth. But what a great a great place for somebody to learn. Yeah, and- definitely. That's why I have a, a negotiation game in the t- three-day training I do because it's such a good place to get negotiation skills. And if you have a fear of going up to that person, they're, oh, I want $5 for this widget. And you, you don't say, oh, okay, I'll pay the $5. You, you have to do it. There's that point of fear that perturbation point where you're coming up against it and you have two choices. You're either going to go through it and do the work and actually do it. And even if, you know, dare to suck, even if you're going to fail, just do it anyway. Or you're going to turn around and run and go back to what you were used to doing before. And if you do that, you're never going to grow. So you're never going to learn. Unfortunately, it requires doing the work. And most people don't want to do the work because it feels uncomfortable. That's what fear is about is, oh, I don't know about this thing, so I'm scared of it. Yeah, just do it. Well, you know, it's interesting. I'm, you know, I'm thinking back to something that happened a few weeks ago to me. I was at an event, and something came up about a program 
that another woman and myself had signed up for. And I don't know how it came out in discussion, but it, she found out that I had called and canceled and negotiated to get my money back. And my thinking was, well, of course I was going to do that. The woman, you know, had, had blatantly, you know, misrepresented what she was selling. I wasn't going to be taken in like that. But this other woman said, oh my God, I never thought to get my money back. So it is something that has to be trained if it's not something that you're normally, you know, thinking. If you're not really, you know, in that kind of a mindset. Exactly. That's why my whole, my book, my programs, that my topic is all called Think Like a Negotiator because you have to think like that first. It's about putting on that mindset and getting yourself in that thinking mode, thinking like that. Like if you're speaking, you're thinking like a speaker. If you're working at whatever job you're working at, you're thinking like that particular position. Like when I did contracts stuff, I was thinking like a contracts person. There was a time in my Air Force career when I did computer system administration. So I had to think like a computer system administrator. So if you want to be a good negotiator, you have to think like one. And tell us about your book, because I know that recently came into the market and it's such a skill that people need such a skill like we're talking about tell me what prompted you to write it and you know the process and everything uh so my book is called think like a negotiator 50 ways to create win-win results by understanding the pitfalls to avoid and it's a simple 50 tips book and it outlines 50 different ways that you can negotiate. Some of them you can use together. Some of, Sometimes it just takes one of the tips. Uh, but I have another brand called Pink Biker Chick, which is a fun brand. It's all about taking control of the handlebars of your life. I've been a Harley rider for a long time. And and my real passion is speaking and, and helping people. And, you know, the Pink Biker Chick brand was not as far as the mainstream uh I guess, entrepreneurs and corporate market that I was wanting to speak to, it just wasn't catching on. So um, several prominent coaches suggested, you know, maybe you want to teach this contracts and negotiation stuff. You've been doing it for 30 years. You're really good at it. And you know, sometimes you, you don't, you hear stuff once, twice. I don't know. It took me about three times, four times to get convinced that, well, maybe I should give it a go. And I, I started kind of working with it. And then when I started to actually speak on it and talk to people about it, I realized it's a skill that everybody needs, especially entrepreneurs. And then I also have a, a niche in the corporate world as well. So I decided to uh, write a book about it so I could give, have a tool to give people to get started with it. Yes, Eldana has a brand called the Pink Biker Chick, and I'm so happy she brought that up because I was going to. And um, it just, you know what, Eldana, it it just shows your personality, which is fabulous. You know that you have that that fun, you know, kind of out of the box take you know take control of the handlebars of your life, and it is only natural that you spun it into this because you know this this is your skill set. You know, unless you want to teach people, you know, how to ride bikes, really, I think you were definitely, no pun intended, steered in the right direction because I think especially women, more and more women really need to change the way they're thinking 
as far as negotiating, not just accepting that, okay, well, I bought something and I guess I just have to keep it when in reality it didn't work or you didn't get what you you were promised. So I I love the fact that you, you know, you spun around and and kind of jumped into this. I think it's fabulous. Well, and from a, a woman's perspective, many women see negotiation as confrontational, so it feels uncomfortable with with them or for them. And that has a lot to do with our communication style. Most women are not direct communicators, and most men are. I'm saying most. I happen to be a very direct communicator because of my time in the military and around male-dominated environments. Since my mother died when I was 12, I've been in male-dominated environments pretty much my whole life. Uh, but for women, we're we're nurturers. Uh, you know, we have children or we take care of the family or it's just our makeup. We're nurturers. We we typically don't ask for what we want or don't ask for things for ourselves. It's very uncomfortable for a lot of women. So that's that's a real passion I have to show women how they can ask for exactly what they want and get what they want and feel confident with it and feel strong with it and not have any problems doing it and standing up for themselves and so they're never taken advantage of again. Yeah, they they do feel uncomfortable and it does feel like confrontation. You know, totally, I get that. And I think most women, well, a lot of men too, for that matter, you know, shy away from anything that even looks like a confrontation. But, you know, one of the things that I, I preach every day is how important it is to get outside of your comfort zone. And I think, you know, that's what you've done with your whole life is, really gotten outside of your comfort zone, you know, from what you grew up with. And really what happened, you know, your self-development just skyrocketed and you're just bringing this wonderful training to the world and helping so many people. So, you know, really big kudos to you. I think, again, I think it's fabulous. So, you know, you talk about that the way to accomplish this is to change your mindset. So how, give us just one step to start thinking like a negotiator, like what would be a red flag that somebody would say to you or a position you're in that would say, okay, I've got to start thinking like a negotiator? Well, I personally think everybody needs to think like a negotiator, but it it doesn't so much start with, it's great to go out and, you know, I suggest doing the yard sales and stuff, but um, it starts with your inner game. The number one biggest mistake that people make in negotiation is one, thinking they need more confidence than they already have or just not having the confidence. One of the tips in my book is to own your power. Confidence creates captivation. And if you find yourself lacking confidence, you want to look at at your inner game, what you're, what you're thinking about yourself, what you're saying about yourself. I, uh, when I coach people, one of the first things I have them do has nothing to do with business and negotiation. It has to do with the inner game, and it's called a life-changing procedure that was created by Zig Ziglar. I have people do that, look at themselves twice a day in the mirror and repeat that to themselves um, it, because the inner game is where it's all about. You have whatever's going on between the space in your head like for me, I had my mother telling me I was a loser, I was no good, I was this and I was that. Every time I looked in the mirror and I had to do something to counteract that stuff, and that's the first thing I started with was that life-changing procedure. Well, I like that. And I think the concept goes with the fact that people only perform to the level of their self-esteem. So, you know, and, and so many people do need to up-level their, their self-esteem and working on it. I like what you said is looking in the mirror, 
you know, who are you? What are you feeling? And, you know, work on feeling better about yourself. It's, it's not such an easy thing for people, you know, like you said, you've got to really work at that. Yeah, it's not easy. One of the other questions I have people say is, tell me what you absolutely love about yourself. And that's hard for a lot of people to, to talk about. Uh, but really, if you can't love yourself, you can't be loving to anybody else. And some of that ties in with uh, another thing that I tell people to do, which is take the steps to release the resentment that you have towards others and also forgiving yourself for past mistakes. Ah, yes, forgiveness. <laughs> we have to forgive ourselves and we have to always forgive others or you cannot move forward in your life, which I'm sure is something you had to do with your family. Like, okay, it happened. It happened for a reason and I'm moving forward. That's it. Forgive. Forgive and move forward. Yeah, but it's not, it's easy, but. Um, it's not well, so it's, easy. <laughs> yeah, well, not... I guess it's simple, but it's not easy. And I, I just did a two-part blog series on my Think Like a Negotiator blog about one about the forgiving others and then the other about forgiving yourself. And there's a lot of tools on there. One of them is that life-changing procedure, but um, there's some other recommendations for things to do as well. Uh, yeah, I will put that definitely under the podcast and the show notes so people can go in and, and read everything that you're putting on there because I think it will help a lot of people. And I like the fact that you're saying you've got to just put on that negotiator cap. You've got to think like a negotiator or it's never going to happen if it's not natural for you. Exactly. It's you really, know? it's important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, little things like even in the grocery store, you know, there's negotiation that can go on if something, you know, isn't priced right. I had, you know, had somebody tell me a story where they went in and it was something was priced on sale, but their product was moved and he fought to get the right price. And sure enough, he negotiated his way to a better deal. Yeah, and in, even in restaurants and retail, I was in a restaurant recently where I was at, attending a seminar, and there was a group of us sitting around. They came and gave us the menu, and I've been at this hotel before, and I'm looking down the menu of stuff, and I said to myself, oh, gosh, I can't eat any of this. My digestion's going to go haywire. So I asked the guy, I'm like, where's the other menu? Well, this is all we can do right now. I'm like, well, where, where's the menu with the uh, – there's one thing on here that you guys have on uh, the chicken, the that and I, he said, "Well, we, we can't do that right now." And I, I said, "Well, I really, you know, I can't eat any of this stuff." And he kept saying, "Well, we can't do that." And he said, "Well, would you like to talk to the manager?" And I said, "Yes, I would." And I was very, I was very polite about it. I wasn't nasty. And he walked away. And everybody in the group looked at me with their mouths open, and they said, "Oh my gosh, you're really comfortable with the discomfort that that caused." And I said, yes, I am. And actually, he came back and said, we can give you that chicken. So I was able to negotiate what I needed. And the learning for all of them was there is a level of discomfort in negotiation because you have to push back. And most of us don't like to push back. We just want to go with the status quo. We don't want to disrupt anything. But you got to be comfortable with the discomfort. And that's a that's a great lesson in negotiation. Well, yes. And Aldana, you are definitely comfortable with the discomfort. <laughs> no, I think, you know, I think it's great. And I could honestly picture you sitting at the table and everybody staring at you. But you know what? People need to realize you didn't do anything wrong. You're in a restaurant where they're providing you a service that you are paying for, and you should be able to get what you want. No questions asked. 
Exactly. And the, the key is to do it. You don't want to be rude. You go to places and you see people get mad and they get rude and they get in people's faces and they start belittling people. It's not about that, but it is about being firm. You don't want to have them steamroller over you. Some, sometimes uh, one of the other tips of my book is use your leverage and influence. Well, what leverage do you have that will help you stand in your own power? I was taking over a uh, $104 million aircraft maintenance contract, and I was heading over for the when I was active duty in the Air Force, and I was heading over to my first meeting, and these were all ex-fighter pilots, ex, uh, ex-maintenance guys, and, you know, male-dominated environment with a lot of testosterone. If you know anything about the whole fighter pilot side of things, it's just really like, okay, what am I going to do? To walk, I'm petite. I mean, what am I going to do to walk into this group of men and have them take me seriously? Because I'm the one managing the contract now. So I thought, what leverage do I have? Ah, I'll ride my Harley over there. So I hop on my Harley. I ride over there. I walk in. I have my helmet under my arm. And the guy looks at the helmet and he said, oh, do you have a bicycle? I said, no, I have a Harley. I rode it over here. And that spread completely through the whole room. And they looked at me like, oh, okay, we got, we can't mess with her. It changed the whole attitude just right off the bat. I came in in a power position. So sometimes you have to think what leverage you have to put yourself in a power position to where just your very presence will actually do the negotiating for you. I love that. <laughs> I think that's so funny. I know you should next time just ride it right into the room. Like, here she comes. <laughs> that's great. That is great. Uh, please um, tell tell me what's your favorite quote, because I, I love what you wrote here. Favorite quote. I guess my favorite quote about doing things with your life is the secret to life isn't about what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens to you. Ah, very nice. Yeah, yeah. I've I've heard something um, a little different, but kind of the same meaning. It's also like life doesn't happen to you; it happens for you. You know, how are you going to act on it? You know, so that's pretty cool. And Eldana had also written written down that diplomacy is the art of letting someone else have your way. And oh, right. yeah. I, I, I love that. I just think that's fabulous. And I also agree with uh, what Aldana said about, you know, you definitely get more with honey than you do with vinegar. So we're not saying, you know, go out there and steamroll over people and be nasty and get in arguments. You know what? Negotiation can be done with finesse. It can be done with style and class and you can still get your way and, and people will respect you for it. They're, they're not going to look down on you. And I think that's another thing, Aldana, that really makes the difference is knowing that, you know, you're not going out there to be what people may say, Oh, look, they're, you know, she's a bitch. You're not doing that. You're not handling it like that. You know, you're just, you're getting what you want in a nice way. That's it. Yeah. Not to say that you never need to exert yourself in a little bit more powerful way, but you, you just don't really want to use that. There's one of my, another one of my tips that says, leave emotion out. And I had a guy it's like my kids had my son had a birthday party when he was a teenager and they were shooting water balloons and they were shooting what started shooting water balloons at cars, which was the wrong thing to do. But the neighbor comes over. He's watching it. He's banging on my door. He starts screaming and yelling at me and he wanted me to scream and yell back at him. And I didn't. And the more that I remained calm, the madder he got until he finally stormed off. 
you know, and then I went and took care of the situation. But um, that just doesn't that just doesn't always work. And I've had situations where they're like, oh, you're being so good about this. But there are some situations where you do need to exert a little force to get your point across. And and, and that's just a read. I, I always say people should consider negotiation as a game. And when you think about it in that mindset, it's it's more like play than anything. Great, great point for for everyone. It's a, That's just a fabulous tip. So we've gotten lots of great tips today from Aldana. Uh, before we head out, Aldana, any last words? Um, well, just just about making sure that you're uh, doing do the powers in the work, thinking like a negotiator, just put that mindset in front of you and um, continually to, it's always about constant and never-ending improvement. So you, to get, I still learn how to, be a better negotiator. It's the I think the biggest roadblock to success is saying, I know that. I don't need any more training on that. So just continue to do the work because the power is in the work. The power is in the work. See that that's a good tip right there. People don't come out and just say that. You know, it's like, oh, take the easy way, but it doesn't work like that. So thanks you, Eldana. Thank you so much for being here today. If you would like to connect with Aldana, she's active on Facebook and Twitter, and you can find the information on the notes we have created, especially for this episode on hollyrovinger.com under the podcast. And an easy way to start the conversation with her is to mention that you heard her speak on new rules for your life and your business. If you like this episode, please consider leaving a five-star review over in iTunes, and I'll mention it in a future episode as a big thank you. By leaving a review and downloading an episode, it makes the podcast more visible and easier for others like you to find. A big thank you today goes out to Lori Rares, who says the podcast is inspiring and motivating. And a big thank you to CatCam3, where she wrote, warning, if you listen, you will get hooked. Thank you so much, ladies. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you for listening today. Have a great week. And remember to always have a positive mindset so you can live healthier and wealthier and happier with passion. This is Holly signing off for today. But before we go, Eldana is thinking like a negotiator. And what I want to ask is, are you? Thanks for listening to the new rules for your life and your business podcast. If you're listening and you want to grab contact details for today's guest, information on resources mentioned, or any other show notes, head over to hollyrovinger.com for complete details. That's www.hollyrovinger.com. We would love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. So leave us a comment on the website or an honest review on iTunes. And to get regular tips to help you in today's rapidly changing world, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of the new rules for your life and your business. 